case. Hope not hate are basically controlling Britain. Hope not hate. An alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backward, these backward thinking, virtue, sick, virtue signaling, fake news crate. Hello again, podcast fans. Um, yeah. It's Duncan Cahill here again with Matthew Collins, star of TV and uh, radio and podcast. Oh, yeah. uh, and author, uh, now on to his second book. Uh, and this one is called Nazi Terrorists. Yes. Which, as you can guess, is a chirpy, chirpy read. It's, um, it's the inside story of National Action. I've, uh, yeah, it's ready. To, it's, I think it's out tomorrow. I don't know when exactly this podcast goes out, but the the initial release date is the 15th of April. So, Okay, well, I've been privileged enough to read a proof of the book um, in advance of that launch and um, well congratulations on it first Thank it's you an in, it's a it's an interesting read and I think the the takeaway I have from it as a as a as an overview is what's really remarkable about it is how forensic it is um, yeah. it is an incredibly detailed um, examination of national action going back into the roots people and the groups that came to become involved in it moving on to the uh the breaking of the terror plot um against uh, rosie cooper mp and the prescription um, of this group so so where do you want to start with this i mean (sighs) well it's uh, it's my second book um the first book was an autobiography um which i'm sure it had its had its themes. It was a bit filthy. It was a filthy autobiography, which you can get on Amazon for about three quid. Um, and so this was a, this was a second book, and it had to be a little bit more, um, obviously, a bit more serious because it wasn't my story, but it was my story. It was mine and Robbie's story, which takes I think probably about half of the book. How we worked with Robbie inside National Action to sort of bring it down the way we did, and. The forensic bit. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Is that, of course, m- my job is to monitor um, these these far right these far right groups uh, because it's you know it's not just a story of national action. Everyone's involved in it. Britain First is in it. The EDL was in it. The National Front's in it. The BNP is in it. The Northwest Infidels or Northeast Infidels, Scottish Defence League, Southeast Alliance, British Movement, Combat Eighteen, all played um, a, a part to. Certainly played, you know, an integral part in, in in getting the group to its prescription in December two thousand and sixteen, and I, I, the temptation was, I think, to start writing from the point of prescription, which would have been useful, but it would have probably the book would have been about fifty thousand words less, um, and I wanted to set the I wanted to set the scene, and I think it, it begins with the murder of Joe Cox, MP. Which wasn't the most popular way to begin the book, but I think it was. This is that is the end result. So we begin with the murder of Joe Cox, and then end with the near, you know, the the, the mm. plot to murder another woman MP. And I examined how the far right as a as a movement got to the point of you know where Joe Cox was murdered, and then from there we look at how national action had been bubbling underneath until such a time when it really came to the fore when it began celebrating Joe Cox's murder um, in 2016 to the point where it was prescribed six months later 
and I, yeah I just I, I covered everything I forensics a very very good term I think mm-hmm. because everything's in there but yeah. the, the person who edited it because obviously it was written very quickly as soon as the mm-hmm. the trial ended um, so if there's any mistakes I, I guess they're mine but um, it is how forensic it is but I, I, I national action didn't just appear yeah, it it had its roots in other organisations, and that I had to make it clear it was environmental, it was social, it was all these things, and so I, I covered that. And it also, I mean, I guess the first time that the group seeped into into consciousness was because of the tweet that uh, Wayne Bell made. Um, well, I, well, I think I think yeah, I think when it gained national notoriety was Wayne Bell sent the. the the tweets about Joe Cox's death and or Joe Cox's murder. Let's be clear, she was murdered. Mm. Um, prior to that, um, I mean, National Action had everything. You know, the time it really hit the headlines for a lot of people, we obviously followed it as close from inception as possible. Where I guess it first started gaining notoriety was uh, with Garen Helm um, from Liverpool, who right. was tweeting the, the the then Labour MP Luciana Berger, um, and then from he was sent to prison because of the nature of the tweets which were disgusting and anti-semitic and when he was sentenced to prison an american website ran a operation get you bitch where thousands and thousands of horrendous uh, anti-semitic messages were sent to luciana berger and that's when it gained national notoriety but by but by then we'd been following and studying the group, I think, for for months and months and months and months, and uh, was the first time that you know we began to realise that the the extreme far right in this country were becoming not greater numerically, but certainly were greater were operating with a greater sophistication and more extreme, and 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 more and more extreme, yes, yeah. and and that's based on I I think. Um, they gave up on the electoral path. National Action was born out of the disastrous defeat of the BNP in 2010 and the subsequent disasters that, that befell them and the clear abandonment of the electoral process that um, I'm, I'm clear in the book and I always am clear when I'm asked. The, the extreme far right um, should never be judged on how dangerous it is based on its size. No. And and that's one of the things that in the book National Action was a tiny organisation. Yeah, what we're talking eighty odd people, isn't it? I think I think at its peak it was probably had about two hundred, and they were always looking. You know, initially they wanted to have hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of members, and then they wanted it to be a lot smaller because it was quite clear that internally they realised that I, I always felt reading through, you know, certainly with hindsight, that National Action became more and more extreme because they saw they were failing. They saw it as a failure. And that comes across in how much darker the language gets, how much darker the behaviour gets, how more extreme the behaviour gets, to the point where they're, they're more nihilist than they are Nazi. Um, and I, I explore that in the book quite a bit. I think it's really important um, that people sort of understand that they went on a very, very sharp, trajectory downwards um, and there was an inevitability I've said this before that if you want to look like terrorists talk like terrorists and act like terrorists then inevitably you are terrorists 
and eventually you you become terror you know eventually you become you actually you know you you have to uh, engage in terrorism and that and that's what it did from very much the moment it was banned in 2016 um for certain people in national action that was exactly what they wanted it gave them a, a justification we spoke in a previous podcast i think quite lightly on the subject but um it wasn't a a question of banning national action sent them underground or sent them on a trajectory towards terrorism there were some in that organization that were always going to to go there and be there anyway um and you know that's that's where that's where it it ended up you know for robbie mullen and i it, it ended up at the old bailey in june 2018 july 2018 and February and March of this year. And, yeah, and obviously Robbie is quite intrinsic. Um, Absolutely. To the tale, but, you know, to, to the book as well. And I guess going back to your your previous authorship, your your, your biography... Um, Autobi- autobiography. Autobiography. The, the, um, uh, the parallels that are there um, between your um, involvement in National Front back in, in your youth and how... Robbie got embroiled um, in national action and then sought a route to escape. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't know you when you were seventeen. I've met um, Mr. Mullen, and he's a very personable, intelligent, articulate. More, more so than he believes. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you get the feeling that there's not quite the confidence that perhaps. Uh, you know, other young people might have from from their upbringing, and we know he's, he's not seventeen, by the way. He's twenty well, no, twenty five. I'm just saying. Yes, yes. He is by our yeah. standards yeah. a young man, yeah. but it, it is um, it is one of those things where you see somebody who is bright, um, who you know, as we know him today, a decent man. He saved Great. saved lives, two, two lives at least, two yeah. lives. Yeah. Um, but how he got embroiled in all of that from 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 yeah. nowhere really. Well when you write yeah, when you're writing about someone you're quite close to, um you have to be very, very careful not to hurt their feelings. Yeah. And but also you want to be as honest about them as you possibly can. Um because that's probably cathartic for them. The thing about hate when I wrote hate was it was very cathartic for me, if not necessarily the you know, the greatest thing I've ever done. But um because Robbie wasn't writing the book but it, we sat down very, very quickly and wrote it. And I had to keep, although I'd spent over a year, way over a year with Robbie talking about things in his life, then to say to him, we're going to commit this to paper for other people to hear, wasn't necessarily what he particularly wanted. But then what I guess helped was he got a bit of a, um, a bit of a kick in, I, I think, at the Old Bailey the first time we went. Um, he was mocked by barristers and QCs because of his age, his inexperience, his accent, his lack of education, the fact that he hadn't completed school and that he'd had a tragedy, an awful, terrible tragedy in his life. And I said to Robbie, I can go into as much of it as you want or as little as possible, but we do have to go into it because it's your story and people would be interested in hearing it. And one of the things we, we spoke about was, you know, that moment at the Old Bailey in 2018 where they just basically called him thick, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, I, I know they're defending their clients, but 
he got a very sharp, you know, he's one of those people that says, yes, I'm working class. And I said, you know what working class means? He goes, yeah, it means I work. And then he goes, he goes to court and he gets an absolute vile, you know, they, they were really vile to him, the, the, the QCs and barristers. And then he comes out and I sort of said to him, now you know what it's like to be working class when people sneer at you and they don't, you know, uh, and that happens in court. So we to, I wanted to make sure people were aware and it's not an excuse but talk about Robbie's life and there's some parallels to my life I guess about why you fall into it and I think also one of the things that Robbie and I both spoke about is this narrative which is not a word we like is, is this narrative that um, James Goddard's favourite yeah is, is that um, people end up in the far right because they're, so they see something flash and shiny on the internet and that's it and everybody's been groomed on the internet. And I don't think that's necessarily an accurate reflection. Robbie and I spoke about his family's politics. We spoke about immigration. And I think there are some people that just think it's just who gets on the internet first is where people go. And it wasn't that wasn't the case with me because I'm obviously older than the internet itself. Um, and I think people have to understand that people have developed ideas, people do develop ideas based on their own experiences, based on their own understanding. Robbie had seen the BNP and the National Front uh, and then national, like the EDL and National Action as he grew up and as he got older. He formed his own opinions based on what he saw, often based on the opinions of others denigrating these groups. He felt that there was a cultural elite. He saw that cultural elite in action at the, at the Old Bailey. Um, and he, you know, it was just basically, these people speak for me. He wasn't groomed. He went looking for them. I, I believe he went looking for them the same way, the same way I did. And I, I think we spoke about it before. We do a great injustice to ourselves or in challenging the far right if we think the only thing we have to do is turn the TV and internet off or if in some way we can stop um, extremism or people falling into far right extremism if we just stop reporting on things that we think the far right w w would pick right. up on. So that that's the clear thing. Throughout the book, though, I, I try to make it very clear that Rob is someone I hold in incredible high regard. I don't think in the book I capture adequately the trauma, uh, the terrible sadness, the stress and the pain that he went through. Um, first of all, because he never wanted to go to court, he never wanted to have to, in some ways or regard, cooperate with the police. He wanted national action to stop, and that was what we were working towards. Um, unfortunately, Jack Renshaw came up with this murder plot, which makes the book, by the way, very, very sexy and, and the inevitability of it. But in terms of being part about Robbie's life and Robbie's story, um, it's a book that really shouldn't or shouldn't have been written because the, the original plan was that we would never have heard of Robbie Mullen and you know un unfortunately for, for Robbie having done the right thing I haven't really been able to because that's one of the things I didn't want to do is to run him through some of the more really distressing things he had to go through but it's in there and it, you know and it's in there and I think anybody who meets Robbie and you've met him lots and you know um, would would say that he went through the most horrendous period He's gone through the... It's over two years now. And he's coming out the other end, I think, a really 
much better person than obviously he was before and a stronger person he understands a lot more than he ever did but also i feel you know deeply sad that he had to go through it but we should all be grateful that he did so that's what i've yeah. tried to capture about yeah, yeah. about well, robbie he, it, there's you know there is no doubt there was personal sacrifice in 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 what he he did in blowing yep. that plot in coming to you just the other extraordinary thing I mean, there's many extraordinary things in that book, to be fair, but is is actually also how yourself and Nick Lowell's are treated. So when um, you got that phone call to say, uh, uh, to tell you about this plot against Rosie Cooper, yeah. you spoke to Nick Lowell's, who passed that information on, so it got back to the MP in question and on to the, to the police. Um, yep. And then at which point yourself and Nick Lowell's were um, threatened with... Being yourselves treated as as terrorists yeah. the, under terror legislation, yeah. Well, uh, I would, even though I would, I would, I would, I would just say this about you know, hope not hate. We don't exist just on some internet and um, Facebook. You know, we have people who work out in the field. We have and we do stuff and we do things. Um, it's not just an internet thing. And when people come to us for stuff to work for us. You know, we look after them, and one of, that's one of the promises we made to Robbie. We make to everyone. You know, as as you saw on one of the security operations we run, we put a lot of time and effort into it to make sure nothing goes wrong. Um, I was on holiday, so there wasn't a lot I could do. I rang Nick Lowell's. He then passed it on into Parliament, so Rosie Cooper's uh, schedule was changed, so they could go and make the arrests. And then from there, you know, I don't want to give the whole plot away, but from there began some quite um, tricky moments, you know, and there was, you know, a few times Nick and I had to speak to each other and say, well, we've made Robbie a promise we could go to prison because we'd broken the law. Um, we were running someone inside a terrorist organisation. The police weren't running anyone inside it, but we, we were. And, of course, that was against the terrorism laws. Thank God we did have someone in there, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and so we refused to hand Robbie's details over to the police. Now, in no way did that ever impact upon um, the investigation into the murder plot because they, we gave them all the details, just not the mm-hmm. not Robbie's name, which is what you do if you're in a terrorist hotline anonymously. But, um, yeah, we were threatened with prosecution arrest uh all all these kind of things and i remember lowell's and i took the afternoon off to have a, a, a legal discussion and we just went to the pub and got really really drunk <laughs> and by the time we'd finished uh, we sort of thought oh well we'll go to prison then yeah i don't think lowell's had a drink since then but um, yeah, so, so yeah, we suffered harassment, and I, and the other thing was um, when the state sweeps or, or the authorities does suddenly get into gear, it it can let you know it's operating. There are, there were certain signs that they were desperate to get information, and I, I no point going into them now. Everything's done and dusted. I would compliment. Um, Northwest or Lancashire Police, wherever it was, who had to deal with the investigation, because that's where Rosie Cooper uh, was an MP. Their investigation, they were very, very, you know, easy to 
deal with in the end. But um, when, in terms of counterterrorism and and that, it's in it's in the book. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's in it. It's in the book. Yeah, we can't give too much away. We've got to sell. No, them. but I would I would say that uh, one of the few times when Robbie really smiled in that period was when um, Nick and I both said to him, "We're not going to give you details to the police." until we're entirely comfortable, blah, 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 blah. And Nick then said, because, you know, Bashir and I are prepared to go to prison, and he seemed to find that absolutely brilliant. It was like the first time he'd, yeah, first time he'd smiled was when he thought about Lowell's going to prison. <laughs> yeah, well, thankfully, thankfully we didn't end up there, but it is one of no. those, it is one of those, you look back, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there was a, a level of maybe possibly corporate embarrassment going on there, but to actually threaten the people who had broken that plot um, well, seemed, the, seemed, seemed extraordinary. Yeah, there's like 650 MPs. I'm sure if you went to all of them, no matter what party they are, and said, these two guys here... Well, that's what he's doing. Well, these two guys are protecting someone who stopped an MP getting murdered. I think there'd be outrage across the the house that Lowell's and I were facing um, prosecution for it. But um, look, we, we, we went through it and, and we did it. But that's, that's the promise we make. Lowell's has got an MBE, for God's sakes. You can't be throwing jail threats against them. Have you respected <laughs> pillar of society and all that? There's all kinds of people with gongs and bongs oh, in, in, in prison. But anyway, Lowell's isn't, Lowell's isn't one of them. We didn't have to negotiate top visiting, bunk. Visiting orders were not necessary. Top bunk or bottom bunk, whatever it was, we'd have been in the same prison. But yeah, it, it, yeah, it was something we were both um, resigned to. If, if, if not, our partners weren't entirely convinced it was a good idea. But yeah. there you go. Well, like I say, it's a it's a fascinating read. I mean, it, you know, I'm not just saying that because I'm sat next to you and you're bigger than me. It's uh, no, you've it, read you've read the uh, first one. You know, and I didn't like the first one. I yeah. did critique your first book, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it is a fascinating read. And as I say, it, you're right. It is a book of two parts. That the first section is 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 your heavy going. Uh, you know, understanding that all of that background to get um, to yeah to get to, to the get to the, the to get the, the bit that will be the Hollywood film. You think so? You think so? <laughs> no, Channel Five, maybe. So, um, I guess that that wraps up. I mean, to say, I recommend this book to people to read um, because it's just such an extraordinary tale. Um, uh, practicalities: Are they going to be able to get this in Waterstones? Are they? Uh, it's Smith's going to be putting it on no, the two for one offers. No, I wouldn't have thought so for a number for a number of reasons. First of all, um, I hope not. Hate is going to is going to publish it because the decision to write it and then publish it. It, there's obviously a clock ticking. Sure. Second of all, we want as much of the as much money as possible from from the book to come to us. Uh, anyone who's ever written a book will tell you, unless it's about wizards, you don't really get paid a lot. And so I just so I just said I want to hope not. Same as what I did to pay. Really, mm. the money just goes to hope not hate, and there'll be enough money I think for me to um, go out on the lashing cork for a couple of days with my brother. Uh, but no, they'll get it through hope, not hate. It'll be on Amazon, eBay, exactly. and there'll be if you're if you're running some independent bookshop and you want some copies, we'll oblige. But no, you'll get it from hope, not hate. I wrote it in just over, um, I think five weeks. Hmm. You know, um, and I think that that's quite that's quite interesting because uh, it took me about. In all seriousness, about three years to write hate, because I, you know, I went to the pub 
for inspiration and then didn't come back for two or three weeks. But with um, with with this one, it's not my story. I was handling something quite sensitive, and I think just for obvious reasons, when you read the book, um, you'll be able to tell that yes, there's a reason why we couldn't then go through the process of waiting nine months for someone like you know, a great publisher like Biteback, for instance, to uh, market it and put it out. We're putting it out on hope not hate because we have an enormous draw and we do publish a magazine and we publish reports and we said we'll publish this book um if you want to get a copy buy it through us if you're a naughty nutty neo-nazi then buy it on amazon or something like that so we don't get your details uh if that's really the sort of paranoid world you live in but no so all the all, all the monies will, will go from that from the book believe it or not we plowed back into the work that we do which is ensuring the next robbie mullen because you know if there, if there is any money to be made, to ensure that the next Robbie Mullen again we're ready and prepared to deal with it. Mm. So it's a you know, writing a book's interesting process, but uh, I'm sure glad it's over. It's actual genuine work writing a book, isn't it? <laughs> it was yeah, it was very it was very genuine work, and you know sometimes uh, sometimes you're in a hotel and you need to go on the internet and work said we're not paying fourteen pounds ninety five for having internet for the night. And you're in a hotel that says free Wi-Fi and it's crap and you need to, you know. Still, look, we got there and it's good. It's a good book. And I want to thank um, the people that have given us photographs to use. I want to thank our photographers. I want to thank the A and the B teams, the bag men, the bag women, uh, Lolzy, Matt, um, Gemma and others who, who who helped with it. It's, I, think it's, I think it's a really good read. The, a guy from a certain newspaper said it's a rollicking good read. Mm-hmm. There you go. So that's it. It's out on the 15th of April, I think. Okay. Well, I hope people enjoy it as... Enjoy the right word, but, you know, uh, 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 as gripped by it as I was. Um, uh, As I say, homenothate.org.uk. Yeah. If people want to go and check it out. Um, Or also its website might be up by now. Oh. Naziterrorist.com. Or .co.uk. I bet some eyebrows were raised up at... um, who is it? Nominate that. Uh, so somebody's somebody's registering NaziTerrorist.com as a domain. <laughs> yeah, it's a domain name, not an instruction manual. <laughs> All right, right. On that bombshell, we'll leave that. Thank you for that, Matthew. Um, good luck with the book. Good luck with the launch. I hope there's some uh, some nice uh, drinks to be had and nibbles. I think there'll be some Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Okay. Yeah. All right. right. Cheers, lovers. Bye. It's time.